Our text this morning is a very familiar passage, and as it should be. Uh, This is a passage we visit uh, often um, in terms of rotation of scriptures we look at as we gather together. Uh, Also, I think it's one you probably read quite often in your own private time together because of the strength that it provides. It's a word from Isaiah, chapter 40. We'll begin reading in verse 21. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the word of God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. It is he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. It is he who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me or who is my equal? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. So why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. The Word of God. Let's see. You know, I had a really great story to begin with. I remember that. I was excited about it. Man, you you ever have those moments where you're all ready to go and now what am I to do? One of the fears of public speaking is to get up and just sort of go blank and not know what to say. Hmm. I think we've all had memory lapses. Um, probably all of us have an embarrassing story to tell about forgetting someone's birthday or an important appointment that you might have. And it just kind of is a part of life, isn't it, that we can't keep everything in our heads. 
those memory lapses I used to call brain freezes. Um, I think they're more senior moments now. And uh, it can become more often, and when they're combined with a disease, can become very tragic. Memory is a blessing. Memory is something that we depend on for a lot of things. Isaiah challenges us to remember something. He's afraid that we suffer from what we can maybe term theological or spiritual memory loss, or maybe theological or spiritual amnesia, that there can be certain things that we really do need to keep in our minds, and sometimes they just kind of drift away and we forget. If we suffer from spiritual amnesia, then we forget who we are and we forget who God is. In good times, spiritual amnesia causes us to forget how dependent we are on God. You know, we kind of just start planning our lives out and living day after day and going along and we live that under the illusion that we're kind of in control of everything that's around us. We live as if We're always going to be young. We're always going to be strong. We're always going to be prosperous. And in living that way and forgetting how dependent we are on God and on His mercy and on His grace and on His provision, we can become detached from Him. And He can begin to see very remote from us. And then when those times of crisis come along, if we suffer from spiritual memory loss or amnesia, we oftentimes simply just fall apart and we collapse. And we begin to ask questions, why me? Why is this happening to me? And then perhaps in the dark of the night, we may even wake up and say, why God? Why God are you letting this happen? In my life. In this text, Isaiah sets out to cure us of spiritual and theological amnesia. In this text, he comes to tell us and remind us don't forget, God is God and you are not. Don't forget that God has not forgotten you. But he also asks us the question, so why have you forgotten God? Verse 21, have you not known? Haven't you heard? Hasn't this been something you've known from the beginning? He even says, you've known this all of your life, even from the beginning of creation. This has been told. And what is it that he wants us to remember? What is it that he knows we've heard, and yet perhaps we just momentarily, or maybe even for a length of time, have just simply forgotten? Here's what he wants us to know. He says, God sits above the circle of the earth. 
That's quite an amazing statement. For us, it's not because we all have in our minds the pictures that are taken from the spacecraft and even from the moon of the earth and seeing it as that ball that it is, that beautiful blue marble, as some have called it. But Isaiah is writing 600 years before Christ. And he says, God sits above the circle of that earth. He says he spreads out the night sky like a tent or like a canopy. And whenever I hear that, I'm, I don't know where you are taken back to whenever someone says the night sky. I go back to the Guadalupe Mountains. Earl, we're going to go there someday. <laughs> the Guadalupe Mountains. One time I was there and there was a little sign up that said, Tonight, a lecture under the stars. And I thought, that sounds cool. It said, bring your pillow. Okay, so I brought a pillow, put it on the ground, and we all lay there on our backs. And you know, out there in far west Texas, there is no light pollution. And that night was a totally cloudless night. And those stars, wow. God spreads those stars out like a tent over us. It says he calls out the stars. And only he knows how many there are. That's true, you know. Even our astronomers have no idea how many stars there are. They can't see far enough into the universe to count the stars. They just say it's an infinite number. That's all we can say. We don't know. God knows how many stars there are. And not only that... He has given each of them a name. Now, I don't know many star names. Do you? There's a few that are kind of familiar to me. Some of you who are maybe more into astronomy might know more star names. But we can't keep up with that many of them. I've heard that you can pay some money and they'll name a star after you. But I don't think those are God's names for the stars. It'd be interesting to know what he calls our sun, wouldn't it? But he has a name for every single star in the universe because he created them. And it is by his power that they exist. On the other hand, we, his creation, Isaiah reminds us, are like grasshoppers. Yeah, he says, even the greatest among you, your princes or your rulers or your leaders, the famous people on the earth, people that we lift up and exalt, they are but fleeting. Isaiah reminds us that they exist only by the good pleasure of God. And then he says, and scarcely are they planted, scarcely are they sown, scarcely have they, been, have they taken root in the earth when God blows upon them and they wither and the wind carries them away like stubble. Though we may easily forget, and though we may even question, Isaiah wants to remind us today, God is God, we are not. And that God is mindful of his creation. He has not forgotten us. And most of all, even though we may not be able to see it, and we may say, what has happened? 
God is still in control. That is bedrock of our faith. That is beginning point of our faith. That God is. He is mindful of us. And that he is still in control. So that's when Isaiah then turns back to his question. He said, if we believe that, if we believe that God is still here and in charge, and he is God who has made the skies, who has made everything, that he is that great and that mighty, then how is it that sometimes we can say things like, why is my way hidden from God? Why doesn't God see me? And most of all, why doesn't he care? Why are these things happening to me? That brings us to verse 28, if you're following along. Have you not known? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow faint, and he doesn't grow weary, and he doesn't get tired of you. You may think so, but it's just not true. The problem is, is that his understanding and what he knows and his ways are unsearchable to us. We cannot fully understand. We can't understand fully who God is. We can't understand what he does. And we just certainly don't know why things happen as they do. But in verse 29, it says, But he does care. He will give power to the faint, and he does strengthen the powerless. He says, you know, even the best among you, your young people, even your young people will one day get tired. They will one day grow weary. They will one day grow faint. And someday in their lives, because of something that has happened, will fall down exhausted. Now, I don't know if you are in the prime right now and running and feeling energetic or you're one of the ones on the ground right now, just tired and exhausted. But listen to what he says one more time in verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, you guys who have to listen to me quite a bit know that I love words. I just love to take a word and say, where did that word come from? And what does it fully mean? There are two words in that statement that jump out at me and just beg for a a little bit of time to savor. The first word is wait. Whenever Isaiah said the word, it was kavah. And it's interesting that that word in its very root, if you go all the way back into its etymology, that word means, you'll never guess it, I didn't, twisted. Isn't that wild? It means twisted. Well, where do we get the word wait from the Hebrew word for twisted? If you stop and think, it's not thinking about like being strange, (laughs) a twisted person. But the idea is taking 
fibers and twisting them together and making a rope. Taking something that is rather weak in and of itself and twisting it together and making it strong. And that's then how we work that word into meaning to wait or to endure, to last, to hold on. It's almost like it brings up the imagery of the saying that we hear quite often, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. He is saying that those of us who are determined to stay with the Lord, those of us who turn to the Lord in our times of need, in our times of weariness, in our times of exhaustion, we grab that rope and we trust that it's going to hold us. And we hold on. That's what he's encouraging us to do. Don't give up on the Lord. Other people may disappoint you. Circumstances may be such that you don't know that you can bear them. But whatever you do, don't give up on the Lord. It says if you do that, then you will renew your strength. And that's the other word that I want us to spend just a little bit of time with. Hebrew word is kaloth. That was Isaiah's word. And it's interesting that the basic root meaning of that word is to trade something or exchange it. And it could be that what Isaiah is saying is that God's promise is that he will exchange his strength for your weakness. But there's even more to that word. That word is a favorite word of another great person named Job. Anybody in here remember Job? All right, Job's a good guy. Did Job ever have any difficulties in life? He is kind of the ultimate paramount person that we hold up who was able to endure, wasn't he? He suffered through life in a way, he started out, everything was great, he had a family, he had riches, he was a powerful, respected man, and then just almost overnight, he lost everything, even his own health, and began sitting in an ash heap, pouring ashes over his head, scraping sores on his body with pottery, broken pottery, trying to get that itch and that pain to stop. And it's interesting that in that struggle, he used our two words today. Back up, or go, to, go with me if you'd like to Job chapter 14, wonderful chapter in Job. Job chapter 14, I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. He says, for there is hope, ooh, there's one of our words, for there is waiting, for there is endurance, For there is a lasting quality. There is kava about a tree. That's interesting. He says, a tree has endurance. And listen to what he says about it. He says, if it is cut down, there is hope that it will... Now, my version says sprout again, but that is our word renew. There is hope that that tree can endure even being cut all the way down to the ground. I got in trouble this morning because I mentioned my oleander bush that I cut down in the backyard 
actually, Ben Green cut it down for me. But anyway, we cut it down because it was in the wrong place. It was always rubbing against the car when you back out of the driveway. So I just, let's just get rid of it. Let's just cut it down. Not that easy. Oleanders hold on. <laughs> and with the little bit of moisture in the air, here it comes back. Now, the reason I got in trouble, Bob Knox said, what are you doing, a West Texas boy talking about oleanders? You ought to talk about mesquite trees. That works, too. Any of you ever cut down a mesquite tree? Good luck with that, right? Okay. Keep it For there is endurance or hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grows old in the earth... And its stump dies in the ground. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth branches, just like a young plant. Isn't that amazing? Those of us who live in West Texas know that our landscapes can look awfully dead and brown. Look out at your Bermuda grass in the front yard in the middle of July or August, and it just, it's dead, it's gone. And one of those wonderful thunderstorms comes along and gives it just a little drink. And there it is, green again. Job is asking the question, if this is true for trees, can't it be true for us? Can't we go through our trials in times of difficulties and yet hold on? And whenever God chooses to send that little bit of water to us again, we will sprout again. I know that's what he's talking about because if we skip down to verse 14, he says exactly that. For if mortals or human beings die, will they live again? Now, we often take that to mean physical death, but I don't think that's exactly what Job is talking about here. It applies there, and we sometimes use that verse to talk about resurrection. But here he's talking about the dryness and the deadness that can come into our lives all through our lives. Can we get down so far that we question, can I get up again? Here's what he says. All the days of my service, in other words, all the days of my life, I will wait. I will endure, I'll hold on, until my renewal shall come. Because he knew that it would. He and Isaiah probably never knew each other. They lived several years apart. But Isaiah says the same thing back in our text in verse 31. If you will hold on to the Lord... And not give up on him. He will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. And one day again, you will walk and not faint. Now one more thing before I close. It dawned on me that both Job and Isaiah lived a long time ago. And they lived so long ago, they lived even before Jesus Christ walked this earth. 
So when they talk about waiting, they talk about waiting a long time. What a blessing that we have. Though we are called upon to wait and hope in our lives, we do so with the knowledge that God has delivered us, that God has saved us. We do so. We wait with the strength of the Spirit of Christ, our Savior, within us and energizing us, with the blessing of the Holy Spirit that God has poured out upon us, with full knowledge that we are children of God and that He is our Father. And if Job and Isaiah could wait, I can too. And I know that even in this life, God can renew my strength. And I know for a fact, in the next life, he will pour his water upon us and we will sprout again. This is our faith. And this is what keeps us going through this life and into the one that's come. Let's stand and sing.